Sports Syndicate. Well, hello and welcome to the latest episode of Above the Parquet, brought to you by the Boston Sports Syndicate. I'm your host, Matty Kuboom, and I am once again joined by them boys. Firstly, he is our most active writer, covering basically everything. Co-host of the Red Sox podcast, to be named later, and the hottest up-and-coming Boston sports journalist you will find out there. The great blogino, Chris Henrique. What's going on, Chris? I thought the way you were starting to hype that up was kind of like Paul Heyman. You know, like when he hypes up Brock uh, Brock Lesnar? Mm-hmm. That's where I thought oh, you yeah. were going with right there. But I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys? Not bad. Not bad. And that is only one of the two boys. My other boy is here, as always. And this man is our senior Patriots and Celtics writer. You can hear him on the Fire the Muskets podcast, president of the Tom Brady and Marcus Smart fan club, the brains of this operation, and the most popular McVeigh, Derek McVeigh. What's going on, dude? How's it going, Matty? Doing well. You know, I'm pretty excited to talk to you boys. You know, it's been a little bit of, uh, it's been a few weeks. We've gone through, I think, the first 13 games of the season since we've last spoken. So I think we should just dive right in. What do you guys think? Let's do it. Let's give the people what they want. All right, all right, all right. So the Celtics are 8-5. and five. They are second in the Atlantic Division. Uh, but let's just, let's just tackle this right off the bat because I feel like every single podcast that the syndicate puts out has some sort of COVID topic that they have to talk about, uh, you know, and we've been doing this now for almost a year. So let's just go ahead and quickly get this out of the way because the Celtics, they were, uh, they fell victim to the COVID-19 virus and they missed actually three games, mainly because Robert Williams had, uh, I think it was close family members or people living with him test positive. So he was a close contact in the tracing uh, protocol and Jason Tatum himself actually tested positive and has yet to return to the floor. Uh, I just have really one quick question for both you guys and you can answer it as you will. Do you think the NBA has done a good job uh, handling and, and setting up the protocols for COVID-19 this year? Uh, I think they've done as good as they really could have possibly done. I mean, you know, the summer was great because they were in a bubble and it was so easy to control the environment. But now they're trying to have their normal season and these guys are traveling so much and, you know, they're on top of one another on the court and sweating and, uh, you know, like trash talking and they're spit flying everywhere. I mean, it's it's difficult that it, this these types of outbreaks are going to happen. They've happened in other sports. Uh, you know, the NFL had their issues. The MLB had their issues. So I think it was it was to be expected and they're. You know, they're increasing the protocols and doing what they can. I don't know how much more they could possibly do. Chris, do you have anything you want to add? Any type of uh, gripes you may have with the NBA or any type, of, any type of compliments you may want to give Adam Silver and company? No, I mean, at some point, you know, you have to try to adapt to the way that we need to live life within, you know, the environment that we're in with, with COVID. So 
I know that there's been some gripes and some complaining um, from people on social media and things like that in regards to why they're not playing in a bubble. Um, but at some point, you know, like I said, you have to come out of that environment and learn how to play, you know, within, you know, the way we need to live our lives. So um, as long as the NBA continues to have protocol in place that these teams can follow, these players can follow and, and they're doing the right thing, you know, it's, it's going to happen. You know, it, it happens in every business, someone that you work with, someone that you work with who they live with, someone is going to catch COVID. You know, I've been lucky and I have been knock on wood. I've been able to dodge this bullet now for what, almost a year that this has been around. So, um, you know, I, I don't really have any gripes with it. You know, it sucks that the Celtics best players are out and the majority of the team was out. They missed some games. Um, but, you know, as long as the NBA is, is trying to do the right thing, they, they follow the protocols. Um, I don't really know what more you can really do because I, I just don't think it's realistic to continue to ask these players to play within the confines of a bubble. No, I think you guys pretty much both uh, took care of all the talking points here because I think overall NBA has done a great job. I think overall sports have done a great job. Uh, Derek, you mentioned it. Every single sport has gone through some hiccups. You know, uh, they've had their flare-ups and they've taken care of it instead of protocols. And, you know, what I've kind of gathered throughout the, you know, the last six to nine months is these fran the, these organizations are actually learning from one another. They're not necessarily thinking their way is the best way. Um, you know, you saw the MLB, they kind of led the way and they got criticisms for their flare ups, but, you know, they recalibrated and, and, st and, and stuck out and stuck true to the protocols. And it turned out to actually turn out OK. And then you saw the same thing with football. There was a few uh, really, really hairy weeks there in the middle of the season and they righted the ship and were able to get into the playoffs. And I don't think there's really been any hiccups, you know, given the la over the last month. For the NFL and the NBA, you know, they're no different. Uh, they had to to get out there and just kind of push through and keep learning and keep adapting. And I think throughout all of the major sports, you know, hockey included, the, the, the major four sports and golf and, you know, every kind of all the sports around the world is you just have to keep learning and you have to keep improving your protocols as the season goes on. And you're seeing the NBA do that. They held the emergency safety meeting. I think it was a week or two ago. And, you know, they decided that there will be no post-game hugs. There should be no uh, hanging out after the game. So they're really just going above and beyond now to, to make sure that these players are safe and their families are safe and, and everyone at home can, can watch the NBA and, you know, not miss out on on a great sport. So, you know, i got to commend the NBA and, and, and sports in general. So I think they're doing a pretty good job. Yeah. Does any do either one of you guys have anything you want to add? I mean, I think we've kind of nailed COVID nineteen. I thought, and I, it, me personally, I'm done. I'm just done talking with COVID nineteen. Like, go away, COVID. I, I have to. I I can't lie that every time you said flare up, I was laughing on the send over here because for some reason you said flare up. I just kept thinking hemorrhoids. <laughs> <laughs> but every time you said flare up, that's where I went. You know, see, there are different type of protocols in place to deal with those type of issues. All right, but we can go back. We're back. That's, we're back. That's neither here nor there. And you know what? We're off the rails again. And I haven't talked to you boys in a long time, so I have no problem if you want to go off the rails. Uh, I personally haven't dealt with any hemorrhoids, thankfully. Uh, I'll knock on wood for that. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I think um, NBA is great. 
enough of that. Let's just let's get into what no one tuned into this podcast to listen to us yip and yap about COVID. They want to listen and they want to hear about the NBA and the Celtics. Before we actually dive into the big, you know, the 13 game sample, we dive into the season long uh, conversation, the talking points. I kind of want to narrow in on these last two games. Boston has lost the last two games, um, one in pretty terrible fashion, and one was to the Sixers, which is terrible fashion for Celtics fans. Uh, do either one of you guys want to jump in and give me your takes on the Knicks and the 76ers games? Sure. Uh, the Knicks game was the worst game I think I've ever seen the Celtics play. Like, not not in the Brad Stevens era. I think as a Celtics fan, that might have been the worst Celtics game I've ever watched. Like, just no no fight, no energy, no hustle, nothing like that. They got outworked by an inferior team. You could tell it was a, a Sunday afternoon against the Knicks, and they were just, the Celtics just kind of came out and, and half-assed everything. And you could tell by the second half, they kind of just packed it in. Just They stopped you know, attacking the basket. It was just three-pointers for most of the second half. Just an, an all-around horrific effort. It's one of those games where you just forget about it. Burn the tape. It never happened. I mean, 75 points in today's NBA is embarrassing. So that's just that's just one game that you just forget about. Yeah, I mean, they had 35 points at half. And you know how they answered that 35 points at half? With 15 points in the third quarter. Awful. Awful. Like you said, this isn't a Brad Stevens. This isn't the worst game in the Brad Stevens era. This is the worst game I may have ever watched. And to, for me personally, what kind of was a big, you know, what was a major drag was it was a letdown spot. It was, you know, the 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 kind of hopeless Knicks uh, on a Sunday afternoon. You had no Tatum. They were kind of they were they were just coming back from the the, the three games uh, that they missed for COVID. And you know, those are the spots you you kind of want to see your team rally and and, and gear up and, and take care of that game. And you know. They did not, and it was not really fun to watch as a fan, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, the game before, they, they put up 124 on Orlando. Like, they were on fire that game, and then they just followed that up with this dud, and it was, yeah, it was disappointing to watch. Chris, do you have any over overall thoughts on the net, that Knicks game, or do you have any talking points you want to kick us off with? Well, I mean... During every course of the season, teams are going to have these stretches where they're going to, where they're not going to play well. And luckily, it's coming at, at the beginning, and it's coming in the midst of players being out because of COVID. If, if the if the Celtics would have scored 75 points and they were at full strength, and they had this dud of a game, I think that the talking points would be a lot different. When we're talking right now. You know, you're you're just getting Kemba Walker back. You're getting to full strength eventually. You know, <clears throat> Kemba Walker, what he played like, what, 20 minutes? He had nine points, four assists. It's going to take him some time to really get back into regular game strength. And, I, in, you know, and we kind of saw a little bit of a better, obviously, Kemba Walker in, in the next game. So I think it really just kind of comes down to that once once they're healthy, they're going to be deeper. Right now, they're just they're a little they're a little banged up and exposed because of COVID. So. I really don't put a lot of stock into this loss against the Knicks because of really the, the what they're what kind of we're up against. 
if this is we're talking now, like I just mentioned before, if we're talking this is two months into the season, they're at full strength and and they're on a stretch and they put up 75 against of all teams the Knicks. I think it's a different conversation right now. I think Celtics fans got a little excited, a little ahead of themselves because they were on such a such a roll. And then, you know, unfortunately, you know, the COVID bug is kind of making its way through the team. And, and once they get past that, they're going to get back to seeing a lot of the Celtics uh, Celtics basketball we've been watching leading up to this little bit of a hiccup of a stretch. Chris, you mentioned Kemba Walker. I thought he looked pretty agile. I thought he had some some pep in his step, and he looked he looked pretty good. He looked pretty spry considering the layoff and, and kind of the uncertainty with his return. Derek, what did you think about Kemba Walker in his games uh, first couple games back? Yeah, I would agree. I think the fact that they took uh, like such a cautious approach with him and really took their time and wanted to ensure that he is fully healthy it's paid off because he definitely looked more like the old Kemba than the, you know, the Kemba that Celtics fans may remember, you know, the guy in the playoffs that clearly wasn't a hundred percent or even in the last few weeks of the the regular season before COVID hit a guy that was a clearly hobbled clearly wasn't, um, you know, at full strength. So it's nice to see him out there, especially last night against Philly. Um, I think people forget how explosive and how good this guy can be. I mean, He's still on a minute restriction, but in that first half last night against Philly, he had 15 points in 12 minutes. He was five of six from three-point range, and he is he is a guy that can can light it up and quickly if he catches fire. So if he is at full strength when Brown and Tatum are you know at full strength, Kemba's just a, another weapon that um, I think people kind of forget about. Definitely, and to see him start uh, the last two games is a good sign in and of itself. Uh, the fact that Brad Stevens is letting him go out there and kind of be part of, you know, the first team. And he's given him 20 minutes in both games, which is pretty good considering, you know, I thought actually he would see more like 12 to 15, then 15 to 18, and then eventually he'd go into 20. Nope, right away he was in playing 20 minutes, and that's a, you know, that's a really good sign for the Celtics team. All right, we talked about the Knicks. Now let's talk about that game that happened on Wednesday night. We are recording now on Thursday night, so it happened yesterday, so it's pretty fresh in our minds. The Celtics lost to the hated 76ers, 117-109. Who wants to take it? Anyone's floor, guys. Uh, I mean, it was uh, it's all, it always sucks to lose to Philly, right? Especially as a team that the Celtics have owned, especially in the postseason, the, you know, really in their entire franchise history, but... I mean, I'm not too disappointed. Maybe in the, the fourth quarter, uh, you know, the execution wasn't great, and the Celtics, you know, had an opportunity to win that game, and it kind of got away from them. But given the circumstances, again, Kemba's on that minutes restriction. You got a few guys still working their way back from COVID. Tatum was out. Uh, Philly is has been one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. I think they're top in the conference right now. I I was happy with their effort and with their performance, especially coming off of that awful game against the Knicks. They responded pretty well and, you know, overall played a a pretty decent game. I'm not too mad about the way they played last night. And, you know, you mentioned Jason Tatum. He is rumored to return this weekend. Uh, I know he's already been ruled out for Friday night's game, but we're hoping to get him back this weekend because uh, in a game like that against the 76ers, you really could have used – Jason Tatum, somebody who could have been, uh, you know, kind of that killer at the end of the game and, and and kind of try to put it in the bag. One thing I noticed that actually really kind of 
it, it bugged me a little bit was uh, Jalen Brown taunting Ben Simmons after he drained that great fadeaway jumper on the elbow. Beautiful shot, incredible move. You know, he put the he put his hand down towards the floor saying, you're too short, you can't guard me. And then to go on and lose, man, I hate when that happens. <laughs> but that's not here nor there because, you know what, Jalen Brown has been fantastic this year, so I can't really criticize him. And I love trash talk. I love having, you know, the rivalry between the Celtics and the Sixers. So I am all aboard Jalen Brown taunting. I just wish they could have finished it off at the end and kept their stepbrother, you know, behind them but of course it did not fall their way on Wednesday night Chris what are some of your thoughts on the 76ers game well it's kind of hard to I mean Embiid was a beast I mean he's playing like an MVP of the league right now through the first month of the season um Celtics really had no answer for him you know he, he put up 42 points 10 rebounds so and I know 17 of those 42 points came from the free throw line. And I know that that was a big gripe from the uh, for fans, for the officials saw it on, on Twitter and uh, read a few comments about that. At the end of the day though, I'm just really going to continue to kind of revert back to what I said with the Knicks game. You know, once this team's healthy, you know, all things equal and the Celtics have their best player on the floor to go against the 76ers best player on the floor. I think that the Celtics win that game. I think the Celtics they're 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 a far superior team to the 76ers and I you know the Celtics have shown that leading up to this this hiccup with COVID. Um what I what I hate to see is Marcus Smart complain about the officiating, you know, and complaining that you know, quote can't beat that, hard to win that way because of Embiid going to the line. This dude throws his hands up and cries and pisses and moans to the officials probably more than anybody on that basketball team. So, you know, I, I, you can't, that's not a crutch to use. And I, and I look, I've criticized Danny Ainge. I've kind of come off that a little bit because he shut me up with the fact that he's this, you know, this team's far better than what I thought they were going to be. Marcus smart still thinks that he's far better than what he actually is. He needs to shut up. He needs to play basketball. He's not the mouthpiece of his team. I don't want to hear him complain about officiating and not getting the calls. Stop taking the big shots and do what your job is. I, like, he's the one dude that I honestly, like, I really can't wait till we do the podcast and we talk about when he finally gets his ass shipped out of town because he is my least favorite player, probably more so than Jackie Bradley Jr. in Boston sports, probably like history. Can't stand the dude. Chris, did you not hear my intro in the beginning of the show? We have the president of the Marcus Smart Bank Club amongst us, and you're just oh, gonna and you're gonna I talk know, about Derek, him so terribly. Derek, Derek tweeted about the officiating. I saw his tweet, <laughs> um, but I mean, I and I know like it, it goes both ways though. You know, the Celtics are gonna get their calls. It sucks when you feel like the officials are taking the game away from you, and and. And they're, you know, it's going against your team, but it's just, that's that's part of the game. It's basketball. That's part of the game. I don't want to hear Marcus Smart complain about how he's not getting the calls. And and I, how about like how, how about the game when Peyton Pritchard had that game-winning layup, and th- this dude is is crying because he wants a foul call. Dude, you just won the basketball game, and you're crying to the officials, doing the same thing that you're complaining about about Embiid like this dude's got to get out of here like I he just 
I think he sucks. Attitude sucks. He just needs to go. So, you, you know, as you were talking, there's actually three things uh, that you, you mentioned sparked a take or a, an opinion that I have. First, real quick, Tristan Thompson, he needs to give them more. Flat out, plain and simple. He's, he's on it. Him, him and Tice, it's like they're a ghost out there. Like, I mean, Thompson no, is supposed to. There's no presence whatsoever. Yeah, he it's was like brought no in to be a presence. disruptor. He well, was brought he's, in. He's ain't to, disrupted to, anything. No, exactly, exactly. And and you know, Embiid had 42 points and 10 rebounds. 10 rebounds is light for a guy like Embiid, and they were all defensive rebounds. So it wasn't like he was cleaning up the offensive glass. The guy was just getting what fell to him. And, and Thompson had no answer. The guy had no steals, no blocks, no defensive stats. He was a complete nobody. He only gave him two points in that game, only shot the ball twice. I mean, he was brought in to be an, a high-energy, you know, spark plug that helps him, uh, you know, defend against bigs and rebound against bigs. And to see him get completely eaten up the last two games, especially against Embiid and the 76ers, that was real discouraging. You know, I, I'm not criticizing that signing. I'm not saying it was a bad signing. I'm not saying he's not right for this team or anything like that. But, you know, what he showed this season so far in over the last two games in particular, uh, you know, they just need more from Tristan Thompson. Uh, now, I have to say something about the refs because they were horrific. Listen, <laughs> I know they, I know it balance. I know it comes out in the wash over the over the 82 game season. I know that. But we're not talking about 82 yet. We're talking about 13. And more specifically, we're talking about one. And that game was horrible in the second half. Listen to this discrepancy. Boston shot five, three, five free throws, sunk three. The 76ers had 25 free throws and sunk 19. In the fourth quarter alone, 76ers had a 17 to zero. Let me repeat that. Zero. Zilch. One less than one. Two less than two. Zero. Goose egg. That is horrible. I mean, at some point, one of the refs have to look at each other and be like, hey, guys, let's just throw one the Celtics that way. We can't go into the locker room 17-0 in the fourth. That's insane. But my last take actually is about Marcus Smart. We're going to dive into that a little more later in the show. So, De so Derek, save your save your, your, your Marcus Smart love and, and get ready to defend him later in the show because – this team may have a Marcus Smart problem. <laughs> All right, I'm loading up. Let's have it. Some other things. I, I, some of the things I just want to throw your way, guys, and you know, I want to hear your opinions. Give me what you got, and, and let me know where where your head's at when it comes to all this. Uh, overall, this team over the last two games shot horrifically against the Knicks. Like you said, Derek, they were just hucking up threes. There really wasn't much ball movement. There wasn't any constructive shot making or, or even shot taking. Uh, so they've been pretty, pretty bad these last two games. Like really bad. Uh, something else I just want to talk about real quick. Grant Williams is not a starter. He's just not. They, it, it, and if he is your answer to to make the starting lineup when someone is out, like Tatum, like whoever Tom whoever that's not the answer they're gonna have to get deeper if that's the case because he has given them nothing when they asked him to start and, and you know he's not getting big minutes he still only got 16 minutes against the Sixers but he yeah, was minus points. 10 so, so, so where's Marcus Smart calling out Grant Williams going one for three for field goal 
one for two from three point, 16 minutes, one turnover, two rebounds. Where, where is he calling out the play of, of Grant Williams? Is that a point of conversation in the locker room? Or, or is, it, is it the referee's fault that you can't make it, that you can't get a call to go your way? I'm sure behind the scenes he's letting him know. I mean, there was that huge flare up. Well, I mean, Jaylen he let Jalen Brown, Brown know. So, I mean, that's what I'm saying. So I don't think Marcus Smart is above letting exactly. somebody know his feelings. Marcus Smart. <laughs> oh, I'm feeling brilliant tonight. Oh, baby. One last talking point before we talk, uh, uh, you know, about the season as a whole and your get your opinions on the season. Man, Peyton Pritchard kind of really turned back into a pumpkin, huh? Yeah, I mean, it's he's a, a rookie. That's going to happen. I mean, I, he's already given them more than I expected out of him. Um, I didn't expect him to be a, a really a contributor at all. Um, so I... I think it's it's what you get with rookies. They they pop at times, especially guys that you get at the end of the first round. They pop at times, and then there are other games where they're kind of non-factors. Um, but I, I like what he's what he's brought to the Celtics so far. Wow, Derek, why did you have to give me a very well calculated, level-headed answer? I'm assuming <laughs> from hearing your voice now that you weren't labeling this guy the next Steve Nash after that run in the beginning of the season. I'm speaking more to those fans, those green teamers that labeled this guy the next great point guard when he started off so hot. Uh, Yeah, because you're right. Overall, I think, you know, the three of us, we kind of fancy ourselves hoop heads and we watch the games and everything. And we knew that Peyton Pritchard uh, was going to have his ups and he was going to have his downs. And he was, you know, like you said, he's a late first rounder. He's a, he, he was, I think he was a senior when he came out, right? I thought he got that right. So it's not like yep. he was like a one and done or, you know, a five-star recruit coming out of high school. So it, he, he's kind of been better than I thought. And like you said, Derek, he's been pretty good. Uh, I was hoping to get one of you guys to give me a, 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 a irrational kind of blah answer and scream at me. But, you know, that's not what you get here. You get smart, objective, level-headed, thoughtful uh, talkers here. Uh personalities what are we what, what are we like are we journalists are we we're podcasters let's call it that we're podcasters level-headed smart podcasters and you neither you guys took the bait i i mean i personally i i we need more pete and pritchard like just the dude's dancing videos like like on instagram <laughs> and on twitter like we need more of those but um no i i, I think exactly what derek said he he is actually He's given, he has given them more than, you know, what any of us even expected. I mean, partly because one, Kemba Walker was down, two, Jeff Teague, I feel, has been just kind of blah for the Celtics so far. Um, I mean, I'm not, if I was to give Teague a grade, I'd probably say he's like a C plus for the C's right now. And I, you know, so what I like about Pritchard, though, is that he gives him a spark off the bench. Something that Marcus Smart should be doing, um, giving him a spark off the bench. And, uh, you know, he's had a couple of, you know, games where he had the, you know, the game winning layup. Um, you know, I, I think that Celtics fans are, you know, some of them get a little ahead of themselves with the Steve Nash comments, but those are the same people that are mad that the Red Sox aren't spending any money or that, you know, they think that Tom Brady, when he left and, uh, you know, hope that he loses this Sunday. Those are, those are the same casual fans. So um, for me though, I think that, you know, if, if they can utilize Pritchard once they get healthy to really kind of maximize what he can be and try to hide him as a rookie a little bit, 
so far, though, I mean, he's been more more than what we kind of anticipated and, and, and would have expected. One last thing about Peyton Pritchard. Uh, Kevin Gaspar, um, I think he play, he works for Channel 5 now, and he's always on WEI Felger Maz on Friday afternoons. And Saturday he has his own show. Uh, he was on Felger Maz, and he called Peyton Pritchard a, a Steve Blake type player. And people kind of pushed against that and said he was, you know, they, they almost took it as offensive that he would label him a Steve Blake player. And I just want to say, if Peyton Pritchard's Steve Blake, Danny Ainge found something. Blake was a solid pro for a long time, and I'm, and he, he helped some teams, and he was a good vet for, for some winning teams in his career. So if Danny Ainge found the next Steve Blake in the late first round, kudos, Danny Ainge. Yeah, I mean, Blake was in the league for like 13 or 14 years. I'll, I'll yeah. take that. I'll absolutely take that. Yeah, I, I could not believe the pushback that green teamers gave him after labeling Steve Blake. I mean, do they not watch basketball? I, when I heard Steve Blake, I was like, wow, what a compliment. That guy was like a real – he was a good pro. We, we could do an entire segment on my like current opinion – on I think a portion of the Boston fan base, but I think if we did that, it would be a detriment to what we're doing right now. And people would turn it off because <laughs> like it's, it's really, it's people just got to calm down. It, it's been 20 years of excellence and winning in this region, in this area. And we're now beginning to witness a new style of, we just talked about how we need to adapt in the world that we live in with COVID sports are adapting as well. And we see a player that starts to come on our radar and we immediately in new England need to anoint him, you know, the next Tom Brady, the next, in this case here, Steve Nash, like can the kid play at least a year? You know, can you start to see exactly what you have in him? You know, he's been electric. He's provided a spark. He's provided energy. He's provided something to talk about, content. Let him, let him kind of, let him become Peyton Pritchard. Why does it, like, let him, let him become who he's going to be. It's just, it's the one thing that drives me crazy about this area. It's, we, everybody's got to be the next thing. And, and we, we, we watch things with like our, our sports goggles. Like we just can't see things or try to see things for what they truly are. And when you criticize it, it's, it's, you know, it, I don't know. It, it's, it drives me crazy. Well, uh, literally we could do an entire podcast, I think on my feelings right now, about Boston sports fan would just, just slow it down, take a break. And if this, this kid turns into Steve Blake, he drafted, came in the league at 23, retired at 35. He played for a handful of teams. If the Celtics can get five, six really good years out of Peyton Pritchard, and he was the 26th pick in the draft, I think that's a win. That's an absolute win for Danny Ainge, and I hate giving him credit right now. Oh, no question. But stay tuned for the future episode of Reverse Town Hall, where you show up and don't say anything. You listen to what Chris has to say. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> what would you call that? It would be a, like a like – would you call it like an address? The Chris Henrik Boston sports fan address. I think I just nailed it. That's what you call it. Well, there would be one fan base right now that I'd like to talk to, 
Um, don't even but, say it. Don't even say it. I'm like bursting at the seams. Don't say but it. But this is not the program for that. And there's going to be other things that we'll need to talk about before we go down that road. But anyway. Stay tuned for a future six-hour podcast episode. It's going to be a but, marathon. Pack a lunch. <laughs> pack two. One for me, one for you. Uh, no, Peyton Pitcher's been great this year. And, you know, the, the Celtics as a whole – uh, they've, you know, they've had a lot of good, more good than bad, I think, uh, before these last two games. So, you know, they lost the last two, so they were eight and three, uh, going into, going into this weekend, this past weekend, sorry. Um, yeah, they were, they've been pretty much firing on all cylinders. So if you guys wouldn't, don't mind indulging me here, let's talk a little about these first 13 games as opposed to just the last two, because I think, uh, you know. I'm known as Mr. Positivity here at the syndicate, and I just can't keep talking uh, about them losing. I want to talk about the wins and, and the good things they've had this year. And um, I'd like to start real quick by talking about my man, Jalen Brown. Uh, if you have been listening to Above the Parquet, our last episode, I said he was going to be this year's Celtics MVP, that he was going to take that next jump. And I got to be honest, I didn't even expect him to be this good out of the gates. I mean, he has been awesome for the Celtics team. 26 points a game. Uh, he's scoring all day. He, he's shooting unbelievably well so far this season. I mean, 51.8%. Are you kidding me? Almost 40% from three. This guy has been electric. I'm loving what I'm seeing. I might have to buy myself a Jalen Brown jersey. I mean, he's single-handedly, like, bringing back the mid-range jump shot. I mean, no one uses the mid-range like Jalen Brown does. He gets to that free throw line, he pulls up, and no one can stop it. He's the, the amount of improvement that his offensive game has, that he's shown in his offensive game every single year, and, like, the amount of progression. For a guy that came in and when he was drafted, people were – like chastising Danny Ainge, oh, they drafted a guy that can't shoot. He's got no offense. He's just an athlete. And he just has gotten better and better. People question the the max contract he got, and so far he's proven he's worth every single dollar. He's been outstanding. Yeah, when he came into the league, he was kind of labeled like a high flyer, playmaker, almost above the rim type. And he's developed into just a smooth offensive weapon. You know, and it makes sense, right? Because uh, Jason Tatum is kind of – the poster boy for that in the NBA right now, like the next kind of scorer uh, from all ends of the floor. But what Jalen Brown's doing is taking a little bit of that, but he's also proving that you don't have to just chuck from three. You know, he's, he's taking a little of that KG game uh, where, you know, take a couple steps in and just bury the J. And, and like you said, Derek, he has been awesome with those shots. And I love what I'm seeing. And he hasn't lost a step in terms of his athleticism. So when you take his his shot selection, his playmaking ability, and his ability to you know attack the rim and 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 have ferocious dunks and all that fun stuff that you like to see, Jalen Brown is amazing. Like I said, I never got that Kiwoom Heroes hat. Fans, maybe you want to send uh send no Maddie Kiwoom here uh, Jalen Brown jersey. I'll take the black one. Oh, you don't want the uh, you don't want the banner jerseys? No, I don't like white. I'll get it dirty really? for sure. I'll get it dirty. I'll get it dirty. I, I gotta tell you, those those jerseys. Not that I want to go on jersey talk, but those jerseys are growing on me. 
Maybe it's because I have to look at them every day at work. But I mean, I think those. Oh, you have Matt Dix. Oh, we do. We we do. Yes. And I kind of like them honestly. And you know I'm what? I'm not sure if we got Jalen Brown, but yeah. I mean, I think they're clean looking now. I, they are. Just being able to like, I actually like the hats more. I like just the. I just think that the white with the with just that bold green with with the green brim. I just it's not my style, but I think it's. I think it's a. Um, I think it's a nice look. You know what got me, and what when I saw this picture, it got me to really like. There was a picture I can't remember of who, uh, but they had the banner jerseys on, standing in front of the banners. You know how they kind of have the banners brought down now that they're cutting off the sections of the crowd. They're kind of you know enclosing the court, and, and the banners was right behind it. It was like a backdrop to the jersey, and I thought to myself, oh, that is pretty cool. It's cooler than I thought. I thought it was kind of like a lame idea at first, and I thought the jerseys were kind of boring, considering some of these uh, city city jerseys that you see across the league are wild. I mean, the Phoenix Suns has every color on the rainbow on their jersey. You know, the Denver Nuggets have red out of nowhere. So these these teams have these cool jerseys, and the Celtics. I don't, I don't simple, think anybody beats like those it. heat those heat jerseys though. Which was the Smarties? The Smarties, yeah. yeah those, yeah, I mean, those, those are those are nice. There are some cool jerseys out there. I, you know, I, I kind of talk poorly on the Phoenix Suns jersey, but I think they're pretty sweet. Uh, I, I'm down for stuff like that. Like, I'm one of the only people I think on planet Earth that like the new Rams jersey. So maybe I have no taste. Whatever. No, I, I mean they're all right. I I know they didn't get a lot of love in the uh, Syndicate group chat earlier this year but i'm still waiting for i'm waiting for that uh article to come out on the uh on the nfl jerseys and uh, the breakdown and all that so i can really make my opinion well there's supposed to be some updates coming into the next season so maybe it'll all be clumped together in one great article but let's stop talking about jerseys fellas we're here to talk about the celtics and we talked about jalen brown so i think now it's time we should talk about is he batman or robin or are they both batman I don't know. Either way, doesn't matter. They're both great. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Man, oh man, he has been fantastic this year. I think Jalen Brown has gotten a lot of the love because his jump is, you know, a lot more noticeable, right? Like, he wasn't labeled the best player uh, going into the season, and he's been the best player. So I think, you know, that's kind of why you're hearing a lot more Jalen Brown praises, which I'm here for because I think he's a phenomenal person and a phenomenal player. But Jason Tatum has held up his end of the bargain and has definitely taken that next step. And the two of them are becoming an elite duo in the NBA. Give me your thoughts, boys, on Jason Tatum. Yeah, I mean, Tatum's been, you know, we said on the the previous podcast, like leading into the season that this was going to be their team. This is finally turning the team over to Tatum and Brown. And this team was going to go as far as these two take them and they've there's a reason that they were in first place before you know Tatum uh, got Copen and was out I mean they've been two of the best players and might have been the best you know one-two punch uh, so far in the the early stages of this NBA season I mean they both had have had 40 point games multiple 30 point games uh, they've just been outstanding and you know Tatum had a couple of tough shooting nights early on, um, but Jalen Brown has picked him up, and if Brown's off, Tatum picks him up. They've just been they've been incredible to watch, and I just hope that they can both stay healthy um, and this team in general can stay healthy and we can really see what they can do. 
Certainly. And, you know, both guys, they, you can tell the work that they put in because of what they kind of look like, right? Uh, they came into the league looking a certain way, looking, you know, green and everything. And now, I mean, both of those guys look, they're, they're shredded. Jalen, Jason Tatum is starting to look more and more like, uh, like, 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 not not Giannis. Giannis is the exception. He is the absolute most jacked basketball player I've ever seen in my life. But Jason Tatum's not far behind, and I like to see, like, I just think that shows work ethic. I think that shows determination in continuing their progress. So I think, you know, the stats speak for themselves, but I think the work comes in what they've kind of progressed into in their body types and, and the evolution of their game and, and, and their overall speed and strength. So... I tip my hat to the, to the two of them. They've, like you said, Derek, we we mentioned it earlier uh, in a in an earlier episode how it, it was their team now, and it was up to Jason uh, uh, Tatum and, and Jalen Brown to be the one and two on this team, and there was not going to be um, you know a max free agent brought in from the outside this off season, and and, and they've done a fantastic job so far. Chris, do you have any uh, any takes, any things you want to bring up about Jason Tatum or anyone else so far in this season? No, I mean, it's it's nice to see that they have, you know, one of the best, you know, duos that are under 25 with those two, with those two guys. So, I mean, really, it's, the sky's the limit with those two. And, you know, to, to your point, yeah, they, they've grown and they've matured and they look, they just, they look so confident out there. And this team is just, this team is just dramatically different and better with both those players, you know, uh, excelling. And then now just getting Kemba back and adding him into that rotation and and having a, a healthier Kemba, you know, and then hopefully, you know, Danny will address either the center position if, you know, both those dudes don't get it going. But, you know, this team is a lot better than I thought they were going to be. And I mean, that that's a true testament to those to those guys and just their work ethic to get ready for the season and, and just how they were able to uh, accelerate their game to get to the next level. And, I, and I'm really looking forward to the rest of the season and hopefully, you know, what they're going to be able to bring into the playoffs because this is a much better basketball team than I, than I think a lot of people maybe thought. But then again, screen teamers. So they, they already had them in the championship anyway. So, but, you know, all kidding aside, I, I've been really excited to see just the way these guys have really progressed this year. And you know, I just I just decided now, uh, it's not a Batman and Robin situation. It is a Captain America Iron Man situation. Avengers assemble. Let's go, boys. All right, so we're talking about the whole season the season as a whole, the the, the thirteen game sample, uh, so far in the air. What has been, you know, a, a a surprise to you guys, whether it be a good surprise or a bad surprise, but what has been a little bit shocking to you so far in the early part of the season? Uh, I'd say what's been, you know, a pleasant surprise. It just the contributions they've really been getting from uh, some of like the role players on on given nights. Like Shimmy Ojale has had some some really good games. His last couple of games, he's had a tough time shooting. But like early on, when they were you know on their five game winning streak, he was a big part of that. He was knocking down threes, making plays. Robert Williams was playing well before he uh, missed time due to COVID. So some of these, you know, like auxiliary pieces uh, have been solid for the Celtics. And it's it's good to see guys like that stepping up. 
Chris, yeah, how about you? Yeah, I want to piggyback. No, piggyback on that. You know, what's what's funny is that there have been players who, like, I papooed on leading up to this season, Grant Williams, Ojale, and they've played really well. So maybe, you know, I go and I continue to do that. Maybe we'll, these players will excel. But, but, but no, I, I think that, I think this team is just everything as a whole. I mean, I think right now, if, if you were to kind of grade this team, I think they're like a B plus. And, and, you know, again, weather in the storm right now, you know, with the COVID piece, you know, you were out with, you didn't have Kemba for the first three weeks of the season. You're getting nothing out of the center position, but yet you're still one of the best teams in the Eastern conference. Um, you know, you have, Peyton Pritchard, who's given you that spark off the bench, you know, they, they have some, they have some challenges. Every basketball team does. They're not a perfect team, but, um, you know, they're, I, I think that once they get healthy and they get this full rotation going, you know, I just, I think the sky is the limits for this team. And if they add one or two really good pieces and they have the flexibility, they have that trade exception, they have the ability to go out and, and make a move think that this team contrary to what i said leading into the beginning of the season i think this team could make a legitimate noise in the eastern conference this season and, and maybe get over that hump and get to the nba finals oh baby you know i love that positivity <laughs> you know that's fueling me right now i love it chris always talk positive to me dude my pleasant surprise that's has it. been taco fall you know he hasn't got a lot of minutes and he hasn't been used in any real dire situations. He's basically just been kind of a blowout mop up at the end of a game type player. But the progress he has shown from year to year, I think is very noticeable. And, you know, uh, I think he's also working out. He must be working out with Tatum and Brown because he is also filling out. He's becoming a formidable force down, down low. And and I don't think we're that far off from him giving them valuable minutes. He's a bit clunky, obviously, and and, and what you like, what he's going to be asked to do is going to be very light, obviously, because he doesn't have a ton of uh, you know skill set in terms of versatility. But that block on Russell Westbrook was no joke. Standing up to 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 a, to a dunker like him and to a an athlete like Westbrook is no joke. It's nothing to laugh at and. You know, he's giving them, you know, if they put him in for, if Brad Stevens puts him in for eight to 10 minutes at the end of a game, he's not just running up and down the court for eight to 10 minutes. He's filling up the stat sheet with blocks, rebounds, and even some shots. I mean, that bank from, from just inside the three point line was, I mean, that was as, that would be me hucking a shot up in the NBA <laughs> and hoping it goes in off the backboard. But I think, uh, you know, the strides he's made in the physical, uh, leaps he's taken over the you know his short NBA career. I'm starting to think that he's going to be able to provide minutes for them, uh, you know, valuable minutes for them throughout this season. Um, so yeah, that is my pleasant surprise. Now I want to talk to you guys about disappointments. What is a disappointment for you so far this season? Uh, and I'm going to do a jump ball. Whoever wants to take it. Take yeah, it. I, I had something ready um, looking at the agenda. Uh, so the, the thing that has been like concerning to me, and it's something that kind of goes back to what plagued them 
in uh, the playoffs and was like their late game execution. It's just fourth quarter. They've had a lot. They've had some trouble closing out games with, um, you know, turnovers and just missed shots. They kind of their offense gets a little stagnant. They stop moving the ball. You know, they're in their first 11 games. They were eight and three. I mean, other than the. So other than the look at their five losses, other than the Knicks blowout and the Christmas Day game against Brooklyn, um, you know, all those other games could have gone either way. They were in it in the fourth quarter and they just couldn't uh, couldn't close games out. And they've had games that they've won where they've kind of squandered late game leads, but then have been able to to pull it out at the end. And so I'd like to see them clean up their fourth quarter execution because um, that's something that was a problem for them in the playoffs last year. Chris, how about you? What, what, what's been a disappointment so far for you, 13 games in? Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, I really what Derek said, I mean, that's spot on. I mean, they definitely, they're going to have to clean that up if they're going to, you know, if this team is going to be interested in, in again, kind of, we've already kind of said, like, they're they're taking those next steps. If they're going to be legitimate and take the next steps, then they're going to need to clean up that fourth quarter. I, I 100% agree with that. Um, you know, I mean, lastly, I mean, just, just for me, I mean, I think I've said it throughout the entire show. I just, I'm down on Marcus Smart. I, I really am. I just, um, you know, I really just kind of want to see, and I want to see him be the player that they need him to be, and that's giving them energy off the bench and, and, kind of be the old Marcus Smart that we kind of knew of like before he started to think that he was bigger than he was and taking all the key shots and things like that. But I mean, really for me, he's really my only, my, for me, one of the only negatives. Um, besides that, I mean, this team's been pretty, I mean, this team's been pretty exciting. So. Yeah. I have to say my disappointment 13 games in, and obviously there is plenty of time for this to change. Um, it's been, the usage and also the play of Aaron Naismith. This this kid was labeled the best shooter in the draft, and I know he's a rookie, and I know um, he wasn't even a lottery pick, so or he was late lottery pick. He was in the middle of the first round, uh, so 14th overall, actually, to be exact. You know, they just haven't given him the minutes. Uh, if you remember, uh, it was actually way back to last year. December 30th, when they played the Grizzlies in a blowout, he got that was his high mark in minutes 20, and he shot horribly. Uh, I just a guy who, who who's a shooter like Naismith, I think you got to give him chances to get hot to be a real provide uh, a real producer for this this ball club, and you know his minutes, he only got eight minutes against New York. He didn't even see the court against the 76ers. And this is without Jalen Brown. This is with Robert Williams getting no minutes. So there were, you know, chances for the bench, to uh, chances for Brad Stevens to use the deep part of the bench. And he didn't even go to Naismith and has barely even gone to him over the last couple weeks. And, you know, you, for a um, guy that I thought... No, go ahead. Do you No, do you think that it might be like a byproduct that when he is getting out there to actually play that Naismith is trying to do too much too quickly and oh he certainly might be I mean this team it, it, they were expected 
to to come out you know come out shooting like they were they, there was high expectations to the team and I am sure that he has an immense amount of pressure on his shoulders you know given that he was a first round pick that he was labeled you know the best shooter in the draft uh, he was supposed to you know instantly the media and and, and sports fans and green teamers uh, around the entire world uh, kind of said that this guy was going to be the fix to their shooting woes um you know they they, they've the Celtics in general have kind of uh been longing for a dead red shooter and this kid was supposed to be that and maybe that's a little unfair this early in his career um so yeah I think he's maybe doing too much I also wonder what his practices look like uh those are the things that you know we can't really see we don't get passes uh to check out their practices Danny Ainge uh if you'd like to send them our way let's do it uh but yeah, I, I wonder if maybe he's not hustling enough or not or not showing enough in practice. Uh, just when you look at the trends uh, as to his play and to as in his usage, they're all pretty discouraging. And uh, you know, I had I think we all kind of had some hopes for Naismith. You know, he was a a popular talking point in our last episode. So yeah, so far this season, I, I think he's been a little bit of disappointment for me. Not saying that like he's a bust or he can't turn it around or that he can't get uh, you know meaningful minutes as the season goes on. But so far, I, I was expecting more, and he's given almost nothing. Yeah, I would I would agree with that, and I think that kind of goes back to you know you mentioned it. He had high expectations. Goes back to what chris was saying about the fans in general just anointing these guys before they've even had a chance to take the field or take the court and maybe we just set our expectations were too high for him coming in i mean it's a guy that played a season and a half i don't even know if he played half of his second season in college before he got hurt so he's coming off an injury hasn't played competitive basketball in about a year and now he's jumping to the the pros after a year plus of college ball um so he definitely doesn't look comfortable um, and I wonder if the reason he's not getting on the floor is Brad Stevens doesn't trust him defensively, because I know that's been issues. the issue for rookies in the past, is that unless you show that you can defend, you're not going to get playing time. So I wonder if that has something to do with it. Uh, but it is it is super early, and I you know it's it's disappointing to see, but I'm not going to say all is lost with this guy. Yeah, it would be silly to write him off. And, and for what it's worth, I mean, he... He does seem to be a little bit um, more active on the defensive end than maybe I would have thought going into the, the the season. But admittedly, I didn't watch a ton of you know Vanderbilt basketball, so I wasn't exactly sure you know what he brought to the table in that regard. But you know he's averaging about a half a block a game, uh, so he's doing something for them. About a half a steal also, so. Actually, no, I read that wrong. He has zero steals on the season. So, yeah, you may be right, Jack. Maybe the, the defensive uh, side of the ball isn't really developing, so maybe that's what's keeping him from getting minutes. But I hope maybe that's something that develops for the Celtics, and, and if he ever gets hot for them, uh, especially if it happens at the right time, he could be a real weapon for the Celtics. Okay, boys, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for what's going to be my favorite part of the show? <laughs> the market. Smart showdown down, 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 at the OK Corral. Boys, does this Celtics team have a Marcus Smart problem? Chris, you brought it up earlier. That was a bad look 
when Peyton Pritchard got that tip in. I mean, to get up and instantly start cussing out the refs when your team is about to win is a bad look. To to come out on Wednesday night and immediately just blame the refs, and I did too, but I'm a fan. I'm allowed to do that, uh, is not a great look. He's still playing hero ball, and now you're starting to hear rumors of friction between him and Brown, maybe him and other members of the team. So, boys. Do the Celtics have a Marcus Smart problem? I'm going to give you two the floor for a little bit. No, I think fans have a Marcus Smart problem. I think people, he's a very, I mean, I'll admit he's a polarizing player. You either love him or you hate him. And if you hate him, you dig your heels in and you hate him even more when things like last night happen. I, I mean, I can't, I won't defend him for what he did against the, uh, the Heat. I mean, that was a, a terrible look. Now, granted, he got fouled and the league came out the next day in the last two-minute report and said he got fouled, but that's, neither here nor there because they won the game and he should have been, you know, with Pritchard and the team celebrating. Uh, so yeah, terrible look. And he still has those, um, you know, emotion infused outbursts like that, that give, you know, people who don't like Marcus Smart, just more fuel. Last night, I, uh, I'm, it was a bad look for him to criticize officiating and criticize Joel Embiid for, for flopping around because Smart is a well-known flopper, but I think if someone else, you know, if Jalen Brown or, you know, Kemba Walker or someone had made those comments, I think people would have a completely different reaction. You know, we've we've I've read a lot of things from fans who are getting on Brad Stevens for he doesn't get on the officials enough. And you've seen it in postseason guys like Nick Nurse and other coaches who will in in their you know press conferences post game will reference the free throw discrepancy. And then the next game, what do you know? The free throw uh, margin is kind of tightened up. And, you know, they, they put that bug in the official's ear, and then things are kind of evened out the next time. Brad Stevens doesn't do that. So, look, if, if his players have to do that, we'll see tomorrow night against Philly if, if the free throws are more even. You know, maybe, maybe Smart was doing something positive. Now, and then, again, I agree. It looks bad coming from Marcus Smart, but I think – uh, if Jalen Brown or someone else had made those comments, people would have a different different point of view. So you don't think the Celtics have a Marcus Smart problem? You think the fans have a problem with Marcus Smart? Yeah, and like Smart before, so before these last two games, especially before the Knicks game where everyone's shooting percentages took a a huge nosedive. Smart was shooting forty percent from three. He's second on the team in free throw attempts. His free number of free throw attempts have doubled in comparison to last year. He has repeatedly said he's trying to make the the right play. And look, there are still times where he takes shots and make you throw your hands in the air. Like, what the hell are you doing? But he is he is really trying to to take good shots and get the ball into other guys' hands. He leads the team in assists. Um, you know, last night he took a lot of shots, but he had to because he was out there. He was out on the floor without Jalen Brown, without Kemba Walker. And in the towards the end of the second quarter and through the third quarter, he was a guy that kept him in the game. I mean, he had an awesome third quarter because uh, no one else out there could give them any points. Uh, so I, I think he's a work in progress. He is definitely he definitely still takes too many shots and does take some bad shots. But I think it's improved, uh, you know, in comparison to last year and previous years. Chris, what are your thoughts on Marcus Smart? And I say that with such a snicker on my face. I, I can hear it. I can hear the smile. No, and no, I get what I get what Derek's saying, and I agree. 
you know, I'm going to give you two different ones. I'm going to give you one trying to be objective and one digging in my heels. Yeah, Marcus Smart is a passionate basketball player. And as a Celtics fan, I appreciate that. Because I think that if he didn't have the passion that he has, then it would be even easier to hate on this dude. I just really, really wish that he would just be like, he's not the superstar that I think that he thinks he is. And I, I just really would like to kind of see him come down a notch. I like, I don't mind, you know, every once in a while, all of a sudden he's going to take a game winning shot, but he does it too much. Like, it just, that's just my opinion, you know? And, and again, to your point, they, you know, he's, he's certainly, he's certainly grown, but there's just, I think there's just a lot of different intangibles right now that I just, for me, I just think that he's, he's getting too big for his britches. And I think that he's just, I think he's just bigger than what he is. And I think that that's a problem. And for me, I, I just, I hate seeing our own guys at the end of games, throwing their hands up, crying, pissing them on because they didn't get a call. You know, it, you know, he didn't get a call. He didn't get a call, but you won the game, you know? We, we just illustrated, we talked about Grant Williams and, you know, the dude's four points starting the game. Like, where are you trying to make that player better? Put your hands down and, and try to make your team better. I, I you know, I, I just, I really have never really been a huge Marcus Smart fan. I thought that, you know, number six overall pick, you know, I think that that maybe, like that maybe added to kind of who he thinks he is. But I think the Celtics kind of told you who he was when they when the contract that he signed. Remember when he was a free, he was going to be a free agent, and people thought he was going to get you know what was it like I thought there was a conversation about him being like the hundred million dollar club. He you know just wasn't that player. So yeah, you know I I'm torn because I want to I want to see him and the Celtics be successful, but I I, I think that I think just personally he's just. For me, unless he's going to go back to be the Marcus Smart coming off the bench and give him that spark and that energy and that fire and that, you know, and, and that same player, kind of out on him. I think I have to admit that I kind of sit on the side of Derek's point of view because I, I think whenever he does anything, it gets extrapolated by the fans. And, you know, if he says something, it's, you know, the volume is 10 times louder than, you know, if someone else says it because it's Marcus Smart. And I think he could be, you know, the Draymond Green of this team. If you guys watched, and I know you did, we talked about it in the past. When you watch The Last Dance, what Dennis Rodman did for that team was, you know, almost immeasurable. And I think Marcus Smart has that same effect here. Uh, you know, the intangibles he brings and the fire he brings. And and maybe that's not going to work in today's game, given the personalities uh, in the sport, but I, I, I think he's going to work here, and I don't think they have a Marcus Smart problem. Um, I, you know, the team builder in me, you know, wants, uh, kind of wishes he could have a smaller contract uh, so they could, you know, continue to build more skilled players while he is kind of their dirt dog, but that's not, you know, within my, uh, that's not, I can't do anything about it, and, and they're not going to do anything about it because, it is what it is. Um, the one thing I will say on the court um, that I really wish he could improve and I think it would help the team tremendously is his free throw shooting. He's shooting just over 70% on the season. 
Um, he's a career 77% shooter, so he's not terrible from the stripe. Uh, but for somebody who's just so, uh, you know, for a player who's so willing to attack the basket and get fouled and, you know, scream at the refs if he doesn't get the call, I, I kind of want him to improve that game. I think it would, you know, prove to be very beneficial for the team as a whole. But uh, Marcus Smart, he ain't, I don't think he's going anywhere. And, you know, quite honestly, I don't think I want him to. I think he's the type of guy who can frustrate the opposing team's best player and, you know, he's kind of that Kenny Lofton. You know, you hate him if he's not on your team, and you love him when he's on your team. So, I you know, that's Kenny that. Lofton. I hated Kenny Me too, but he was never on my team. That's why. If like, Kenny Lofton was – like Garnett. Every, everyone in the league hated Garnett unless he was on your team. Wow. we got to keep it clean. I had a term I wanted to there, – there was one specific word I wanted to put in front of Kenny Lofton when you, when you, first, when you said it. Antagonistic? Uh, no, nope. Starts with an F. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, boys, we've talked enough Celtics. So let's talk a little NBA before we send the fans home for the night. There was some major news. A major trade happened recently in the NBA. James Harden. More I almost took us off the rails here. Let me finish the first thought and then I'll, I'll bring this up. James Harden was traded to the Brooklyn Nets in a wild three team trade where Brooklyn sent, I think 16 years worth of draft picks to Houston. Um, they sent Carvis Levert side note. How great was that for Levert? I mean, the kid found out he had a mass on his, his kidney and he yeah, never found incredible. that out. Right. He never would have found that out had he not been traded twice. Uh, you know, so, you know, Speedy recovery. I hope the best for for Mr. Levert, and you know he's a great player, so I want to see him out there. But he was traded to Houston and then flipped for Victor Oladipo. Uh, Jared Allen went over to Cleveland in the deal, so there was a lot of moving pieces. But at the end, and as the dust settled, Brooklyn has a new big three: James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. Is there not a bigger cringeworthy big three in sports? <laughs> I gotta say, and, and let me ask you a quick question before we dive into the basketball part of it. Was Homeboy wearing a fat suit in Houston? Yeah, I, I don't know either that or someone was using like a a wide filter with their camera because I mean he it looks like he lost thirty pounds between Houston and Brooklyn. in days. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, when 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 the uh, when he was in the layup line and the announcers, you know gave him the jab of uh, he didn't miss his pregame meal. He looked like the D2 basketball player who comes back fat but still dominates at the Y. And I can't believe – and then he showed up in Brooklyn. I, you know, they do say black is slimming. And when he wore that black jumps – the black warm-up suit, maybe that's what it was. But, I, yeah, he looked like the dude lost 30 pounds, like you said, Derek. I can't believe that. But now let's talk about the basketball part of it. You know, whether you like it, whether you hate it, it's a pretty formidable, a pretty dangerous big three. So I want to ask you two gentlemen, how does this affect your Boston Celtics and the Eastern Conference as a whole? So, I mean, I think Brooklyn was the the team to beat coming in, right? Everyone thought with a healthy Duran, healthy Kyrie, they were going to be at the top of the conference. And by adding Harden, yeah, on paper, you think they're they're unbeatable. Three of the, the top players in the game. But, I, don't, I mean, 
they didn't look great. I mean, they lost their first game together uh, last night against Cleveland. Didn't look great. Didn't play a lick of defense. Harden had his first two games were great. And then Kyrie came back and he kind of took a back seat and didn't have a great game. And you just wonder if he is going to get frustrated with that eventually, because there's going to be more nights like that. Um, and you wonder if, now I know Kyrie, you know, he took a leave of absence and he said he had some family stuff to, that he was working through and look, that all may be true. And I hope everything's okay. But I like, what's the stop him from just taking another leave, you know, later in the year, like something happens that he just doesn't sit right with him. He's like, you know, I don't feel like playing anymore. I'm going home. Like I, I wouldn't rule that out again. And then, you know, Brooklyn's kind of back to back to square one where they've got two great players instead of three. So I'm not I'm not convinced this is going to work out. You know, we've seen like when the Heat first got together with LeBron, Wade and Bosh, it didn't work out, um, you know, instantly. It took them some time to get things going. You know, they didn't win a title in their first year. They got off to a rough start. Brooklyn right now is just a couple games over 500. They've been up and down. Um, so it's 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 not instant success. I mean, they're definitely they definitely have the most talent, but I'm not sure if it's going to translate to a, a championship. So let me ask a follow-up question, you guys. Are you scared of the new big three in Brooklyn? Scared? No. I mean, well, okay, Let me before I get ahead of myself. Um, I think you got to take them seriously. I mean, they have three of the best players in the NBA on their roster. So, yeah, I think you need to take them seriously. But exactly what Derek's point is, Kyrie Irving is a head case. I'm not confident that Kyrie Irving is going to make it through the full season. Like, I and this is my my opinion, and I'm not trying to, I'm not gonna, I'm not trying to make light of anything. But either do your job and play basketball because that's what his job is. His job is to be a basketball player. He gets getting paid to do that, and then utilize your platform of playing basketball for things that are important to you. Or stop doing that and go save the world. Like, you can't just take two weeks off from your job because you don't want to be there and go and say you're doing these other things while also being allegedly out at parties and everything else. Like, it looked like that Kyrie Irving was kind of putting up a temper tantrum and he just walked away. You know, when your head, when your, when your basketball coach has to get in front of the media and say, I haven't talked to my player and we haven't talked, and the team doesn't know what's going on. I just think it's a bad look. And everywhere that Kyrie Irving goes, there just seems to be some sort of baggage along with it. Like, if this was a one-off thing, and he missed time for two weeks and then comes back, it's okay. You know what I mean? Like, what's going on with this dude? But he walks away for two weeks, and he only comes back because they got James Harden. If this team didn't get James Harden, is Kyrie still playing right now? No, I, I don't think that he is. So... What's good about this move, though, is that the NBA finally has three superstars in New York, but instead they're not playing at Madison Square Garden. They're playing at the Barclays Center. So this is good for the NBA because, again, they have they have these players in that spotlight. I think Harden and Durant will work. I just think Kyrie is the wild card of that group. Don't have the confidence. He's not the number one guy and never will be in any program that he's ever going to be in when it comes to playing in the NBA. So it just, in my opinion, it's either time to, you know, go play some basketball, make your team better, go and try to win a championship 
or do what you might feel is important off the court and go in and pursue that. There's nothing wrong with that either. If he if he feels that he can make a bigger impact on his life and others on what he can do off the court with what his profile is now, go do that. But it just it seems like every single year it's always something. It just seems like this just this dude is just off and I'm happy he's not with the season anymore because this team is night and day without Kyrie Irving here. Oh, no question. And personally, I am not scared of this big three. Uh, I mean, it's only a matter of time before Kyrie spins off this earth or falls off flat earth, if you take his opinion. Uh, in my, I think that any player in any sport who shoots his way out of town is a loser and uh, will never win. That's James Harden. And everyone knows my feelings on, on Kevin Durant. I think he's soft. I I will admit this. I will admit this. I actually wrote it down in the show notes because I wanted to make a point because, you know, I will change my opinion. I am not beholden to any take. I will change my mind. I'm open-minded. I'm a, I'm a fluid guy. Kevin Durant, <laughs> he has been playing more physical dare I say even chippy, you know, he was shown kind of shoving Giannis around the other night and bullying him around. And if he's going to take that, that role, that harder role, I think it will be very beneficial for the Brooklyn Nets. I don't think that'll be the case. And I personally think as a Celtics fan, I think the Celtics will be the kryptonite to a team like the Nets. They are, you know, they're tough. And I know that sounds kind of cliche and, and a little corny, but the Celtics, they're tough. Jalen Brown's tough. Marcus Martin's tough. Jason Tatum, he's tough. Tristan Thompson, they're tough. They would be a tough team for the Brooklyn Nets to play. And if Kyrie wants to go make Uncle Drew two and James Harden wants to, you know, uh, be a patron at the local gentleman's club and eat and continue to gain weight and Kevin Durant's Kevin Durant, they're not going to be able to beat the Celtics uh, when it matters. So personally, I'm not really scared. I got to be honest. I will say um, I was happy to see Jarrett Allen get traded. That guy, I love the way that guy plays, and he's given the, he's always given the Celtics problems. He's just a, a walking double-double. He's he's a guy that it plays tough and physical. Um, you know, as a, he's more of like a traditional center, you know, back to the basket, plays down low, doesn't really take shots. So I was happy to see him uh, get out of Brooklyn. That's a great point. Uh, Jarrett Allen is a really good center, and – on top of that, now that he's on a seemingly kind of going nowhere team in the Cleveland Cavaliers, maybe Danny H can make a run at him. I don't know how the money stacks up. I'm not sure the uh, the the workings there. Uh, you know, you know, I, I, if you follow the syndicate at all, you know I love all the inner workings of team building. So I will look into it uh, come trade deadline. But maybe who knows? Maybe if Tristan Thompson's not getting the job done or there's injuries throughout the uh you know throughout the big men on this team maybe jared allen's a guy they can go get because man i i agree with you derek that guy is really good yeah sign me up i'd take that guy in a heartbeat all right boys do either one of you have any last minute takes concerns compliments to my hosting anything anything you want to throw out there before you wrap up No, no compliments necessary. Always, always do a great job. I do, I do just want to say one thing. Like going back to Brooklyn and you know teams putting together their big threes, I just think it, all these teams putting together their big threes, and we see that it doesn't 
doesn't always work out and there are, you know, bumps along the way. It just makes what the Celtics did in 07-08 that much more impressive. Like, they got together. First season, they won a championship. They were, they won 66 games. Like, that thing clicked from the beginning. Doc Rivers pushed all the right buttons. He knew exactly how to get these guys to play together. So I think he deserves, and that team deserves, a ton of credit for the way they were able to pull it together. When we see all these other teams trying to do it, and it doesn't always work out instantly. Now, I could say that, and Brooklyn will probably win, like, the next 25 games, but... They're, they're having some early season struggles that the Celtics did not have when they pulled together their big three. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Celtics and what Danny Age did changed the face of basketball. It's kind of the, the model teams are still using today, you know, getting the big three and building around that. And the only one to really work was the one in Miami, and that took the best basketball player of the generation. So, yeah, I think that's a great point, Derek. I mean, they, they do deserve a ton of credit, uh, maybe even more than they get. Chris, any uh, last minute or any last takes that uh, you want to throw out there before we wrap up? Um, and my, my final thought would be is I just hope that the, you know, this, get this team past, you know, this COVID piece getting sick, get them to full strength. And I'm ready to see this team click on all cylinders with, the entire roster at at Steven's disposal. Did Kemba come back fully healthy coming off that, you know, with the knee? And I, and I really think sky's the limit with this with this basketball team. And Marcus Smart needs to shoot less. That's all. That's it. All right. So any of you people out there listening, if you like what you heard tonight, make sure you rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you are listening. And, and – to be clear, that's very important. So rate and review. Make sure you follow all of our socials at Boston Sports SYN on Twitter and on the gram. Follow me on Twitter at Maddie D underscore Rose. Follow Chris at Chris Henrique on Twitter. And if you want to follow what Derek has to say on Twitter, he is at McVeigh34. And as a show, our Twitter handle for the Above the Parquet podcast is exactly that, uh, at Above the Parquet. So Derek, Chris, and myself, we all write articles, uh, and not just us. We have other people who write articles as well. And you can find all those articles um, covering all different sports, from hockey to baseball, basketball to, to, to football, and, and everything in between. And you can find all those articles at Boston Sports Syndicate. Dot com and you know be sure to share everything that we do with everyone you know so for chris and derek i'm maddie kiwum take it easy boston sports syndicate this is the boston sports syndicate provided by imcdm <laughs>